Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news, tips, and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who've made this podcast possible. They are makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom stable scleral lens. In case you're wondering, my name is Dr. James Diem. I'm on the East Coast, joined by none other than Roya Habibi on the other coast. Roya, what are you doing? Just celebrating life over here. Happy New Year, Jimmy. Happy New, Happy New Year. <laughs> Three this months This week... No, no. This week, March 21st, actually, is Persian New Year. Okay? Obviously, I have Persian roots for those who do not know, but oh, okay. everyone can celebrate Persian New Year. It's also called Nowruz. Nowruz. Celebrated on the vernal equinox. Oh, okay. okay. Essentially, the Northern Hemisphere celebrates this day. It's an astronom- astronomical spring. Okay. All right. Little fun fact you. for you: um, Persian New Year is actually uh, dating back around three thousand years, much more aged than our years in the U.S. Hmm. Um, but it's rooted in um, ancient Persian history, uh, actually not their normal religious history you think of Islam, but actually they all um, originally their history was rooted in Zoroastrianism. However, you say that. The hell's that? <laughs> this is another <laughs> religion that they had. But anyway, oh, so okay. Persian right. New Year. Basically, it's a really cool way to celebrate there. They have, um, in the weeks leading up to New Year's, families actually set up a space. Um, they call it Half Scene. And it's a collection of items that symbolize different ways um, to symbolize hope for the new year. They call it the seven S's. And there are different items that you put on this little space. Usually you have a little table in your house. And each of these in in uh, Farsi it starts with an S, but you put some sort of green that's going to grow. So a lot of people grow uh, a little grass because um, it's uh, symbolizing growth and rebirth and renewal. People put dried fruit for um, sweet fruit for love, um, apple, which is for beauty, garlic, which is for taking care of oneself, basically Etc. Right, so it's all things That's to great. kind of start the new year fresh. I like it. So yeah, happy new year, everyone. Happy uh, Nowruz. Nowruz. There you go. Nowruz. Yes. So just real quick on this Persian uh, thing, um, your what? It, what does that mean exactly? Persian. Persian where it, history where are you stems from? from Iran. My father Iran, was originally okay. born in Iran, okay. and most people from Iran don't consider themselves Iranian, they consider themselves Persian. It's yes. more of the uh, culture. Interesting. Very. Yes. Have you ever seen the Persian weddings or the, like, there's some of those yes. um, things on, like, TLC or yes. one of those channels? or Persians are all it... about things like, exactly like I was just saying, they're half seen. They have a lot of symbolic meanings, right? Okay. Um, Persians have, one of the things that they do in their weddings is they'll have a mirror, uh, within the ceremony so that you can see see into the future, right? 
there's okay. a mirror or there's all these different Persians love symbolic things. So anyways. I like it. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Did you have a mirror at yours? Did you do any of that stuff or? You know, I yeah. included a couple things. I had a mirror, but I was at the end. I didn't want it like in the middle because we were looking at a beautiful ocean, which maybe that's more looking into the future slash beyond. I feel yeah. like that's. That was our own symbolism there, but we yeah, no, we had like a couple it. ties to oh, and in the in Persian weddings, they the couple at the very end of the ceremony, they stick their little pinkies in a cup of honey and feed Ooh. it to each other oh. to symbolize a sweet sweet life together. Oh, that's great! <laughs> so thing. we did that too. Okay, yeah. Nice. But nice. anyway, so some fun eye news to share with our yes. listeners. All right, so the state of Washington has just just put together a house bill that is prohibiting eye tattooing. Thank God. Right? This seems like one of those rules that you don't need to make, but I guess... Exactly. It's crazy. (laughs) So one of the doctors, actually a retinal surgeon in the area, he works at University of Washington. He is testifying in support of this bill on the behalf of the Washington Academy of Eye Surgeons, um, Eye Physicians and Surgeons, it's the group here. Anyway, anyways, he's saying that scleral tattooing is a procedure where somebody takes a needle or a knife and injects dye into the white part of the eye. This is part of the bill. And essentially, it's saying that it's obviously going to cause damage. And under this bill, eyeball tattooing artists would be subject to civil penalties if they were taken to court. Hmm. Canada, FYI, has already banned this procedure. Smart, eh? Yeah, the Canadians are always <laughs> head of the curve. I know. On these things. Yeah. Good. Another new change is Ilux. Yes. I mean, it's not new, new, but I think it's worth talking about. Jimmy, tell it's, us it's about really, it. It's out there now, though, right? It's, it it's kind of is, new, but how many people out there have it yet? Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was just at Seco, and um, they they definitely had a presence there. So I think that was the first meeting where I really saw them have a presence. It's it's been something we've seen on on Facebook and social media. Some some optometric influencers have been demoing it. I think in in their their practices and posting us and and baiting us all into being interested in it. So what is it? It is a handheld device that treats. Meibomian gland dysfunction with light-based heat and compression. So neat thing about it is you can actually see the glands being expressed and heated uh, while you're doing it with this little magnifying lens attached to the device. So there's a sterile single-use Ilux Smart Tip, and that is uh, something that you you know, attached to the base, if you will. Um, and, and that goes behind the eyelid. Uh, and, and then there's an outer pad that presses against the, the outer lid and there's heat and compression. The heat comes from this light that's directly on the lid. Um, and, and then the compression comes from the force that you're generating against the lid. Uh, so there, there's, it's been shown to produce therapeutic levels of heat that we're all familiar with, with other devices, uh, somewhere between 104 and 108, um, so it's it's very interesting. I, I I did not try it. I've I've heard good. I've heard you know mixed. I've heard lots of good things. And I think you know, hey, it's another heat treatment. And you know, I think if it gets our um, colleagues 
more excited about my bombing gland disease, more excited about dry eye, then I'm all for it. Amen. You know, so what do you what do you know? Or is there I have yet to try it yet, it? but um, one of the things I'm sure everyone's asking, and I'm not. I'm not actually sure numbers and I haven't actually tried it myself either yet, but looking at some of the different things I've read online, it says that the price of Ilux is roughly a third of the price of Lipiflow. Right. Um, and it seems like they have some sort of disposable involved in that yeah, cost. Yeah, there is. A fourth of the cost of Lipiflow activators. Now, interestingly that you brought that up because that it is, it is still less, but that, that force... You know, and I welcome, you know, Ilux, Lipoflow, Mibaflow to, you know, come and chat with us. Um, but I I do know that Lipoflow significantly just lowered the cost of their applicators. Have you heard this? I know this. Okay. Um, luckily, yeah, so... I just bought a lot of them. So I have to... <laughs> After the fact, hopefully. Yeah, no. Good. Before no. the fact. Oh, uh, no. yeah. See, see, you know, they piss yeah. people off when they do stuff yeah, like no, that. No, but, um, yeah, we, we had a bunch, too. And um, what are you going to do, right? Had, if they're going to change it, somebody was going to be pissed at some point. Some, time, so. it's, but, it's for the best. Yeah, no, best. I, think it's a, I think it's a good thing. And I, I can remember, you know, and you probably said the same thing, when it first came out and when all these things come out, you know, you're just like, man, I wish it was more accessible for exactly. more patients, you exactly. know, and, and really that's what it's all about because I think there's very few patients that are not going to benefit from a heat-based in-office treatment. Absolutely. You know, I, I really, you know, sort of, I, I mean, I say it all the time, I wish we could do it on the people that have no symptoms totally and agree. very little signs. I literally just said that year. to a patient the other day. And I actually, yeah. I've, I've been in this little bit of moral, like, tremoil, tre- what is the word I'm thinking of? Turmoil? Turmoil. (laughs) Moral turmoil. Like, do I drop my price even though I just made this huge investment? So I'm I'm personally dealing with that. And I was talking to Patrick about it. And he was like, I was like, I would drop. Because he was saying, like, don't undercut your value, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I get that. And I do understand that I'm providing a good value. In fact, a great value. But aside from just the treatment alone, like what I do for my patients, I go above and beyond. And I know that. But I also think that if it was $20, everyone would do it and it would be the right thing. And it, I would never do that. But you know what I'm saying? Like if I could just yeah. have everyone do it, it would be right. so good. It would really be yeah. good. It'd be a great thing. I wish I could. I, I agree. But I'm not yeah. going to pay for people to do it. <laughs> right. Anyways, yeah. anybody, any of our listeners who are currently using Ilux, give us a shout out. Let us yeah, let our hear listeners hear from your experience so far. Either shoot shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook, text us at 920-350-8622. We'd love to get some firsthand experience. Totally. Nice. Well, we are um, super excited to have uh, a sponsor in addition to Valley Contacts, uh, another sponsor, help us out uh, bringing all this great information to all of you out there. And that is PRN or Physician Recommended Nutraceuticals. So we wanted to take a couple seconds to talk a little bit about their product and why we think they're so great. Yeah, Jimmy. So <laughs> let's do it. So, we got Let's a, do it. We got a fun little Q&A to just All post right. for our patients. So here are questions that people ask, whether it be patients or not. And Jimmy, I'm going to be the asker. You're going to be right. the responder. You're going to okay? be the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you recommend Omega-3s to? 
uh, you're going to just kind of smirk and giggle when I say, but everybody, oh, I mean, there's God. very few people that I don't <laughs> recommend Omega. There's really very few people that I don't recommend Omega 3s to. The reason I, I, do, I say that is to, to my patients, I say, this is a natural treatment that's going to be the foundation for us to build upon, you know, your, your individualized, uh, in particular, dry eye uh, treatment plan. So uh, a good quality, highly absorbable, bioavailable omega-3. And, um, you know, with, with uh, PRN, I love the patient education tools that they provide. So I'm able to show them very, very clearly, you know, why their quality is so much better what? and give them a pamphlet on it's it. Quick and answers. It's very easy. Yes. Sorry. How many milligrams a day do you recommend? <laughs> so, uh, studies have shown that uh, approximately uh, 2,000 milligrams of omega-3 daily um, translate to a uh, uh, serum level that has been shown to make benefit at the oil gland level. Dude, so you're killing me that's on this quick we, response. That's what we, that's what we recommend, <laughs> 2,000 milligrams. And Love that's it. what's in their omega-3s. Yes. But, Jimmy, why is it so damn expensive? I want to go to Costco and get the cheap stuff. <sighs> And I tell them that. I say, look, you're going to go to Walmart. You're going to go to Costco. You're going to see a, a bottle bigger than your body for $10, and that's what you're going to want to get. But you might as well take nothing because we know that that type of uh, supplement is going is not going to do what we want it to do. So they've taken the time. They've taken the effort. They've done the research to make sure that this is a good quality uh, product, something that's going to be uh, utilized in your body, and and that's why there's a difference in cost. Absolutely. Well, and PR- they stand behind it, right? Yep, absolutely. PRN's an awesome company. In fact, they have a guaranteed effectiveness. In just 90 days, patients will receive their money back if they do not feel the effects. And for our Try Not to Blink listeners, you can receive $200 to actually learn about PRN through a 45-minute doctor-to-doctor meeting. Interested? Schedule at that's right getprn.com. So 200 bucks, learn about it. Getprn.com. Check it. Love it. Very good. Thanks, PRN. So, uh, jumping into uh, one of our cute little segments, uh, overheard on Facebook, right? This is something we like to to toss out there because I think all of us spend more time on Facebook than we'd probably care to admit. Um, this was one that I thought was very interesting. So the question is, do you take call? No. Roya, do, do you take call? Luckily, no. But my does office, practice my practice call? does. Yes. Okay. So is that something that anybody ever asked you about? I'm just, I mean, I'm just, you know, uh, not that you're dying to do it. I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> how does that conversation go? Like, you know, it, it kind of, you know, in a bittersweet way, I'm okay with it, but um, yeah. the, most of the doctors in my group are ophthalmologists, yep, and they no, take no. call for the hospital in the area. So gotcha. they are the ophthalm. They all of our group majority, but there are a couple other ophthalmologists in the area that are part of this circuit. But oh. essentially, they are the on-call ophthalmologists for large medical centers in the area, Swedish ophthalmology, etc. So. Just so it's not call. just your office no. that you're referring to, but does your office? So say, yes. you know, I came to your office yes. and I want to come. You know, I'm after hours, so I yeah. call the on call. It still and it would goes be the, whoever it is for the week also gets in house on call. 
Okay, so it might not be, it wouldn't go to this other place that's doing call for the hospital. It would be you guys. Yes. Okay, all right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. so and it's it's funny because it's, I know a lot of group ophthalmology practices do it the other way around. I know. <laughs> None of them do it and all the optometrists you do know, it. You know, I, on one hand, am slightly jealous of it because to be honest, they each of the doctors probably have call, I don't know, three, four weeks out of the year. And okay. they have a cool little phone they pass around. I don't know why, but that seems like a fun little flip <laughs> phone. Yeah, yeah. But they get yeah, paid pretty well for it. I mean, I think we pay oh, really? like I don't know, three or four thousand dollars a week. Um, really? Yeah. So seriously, seriously, yeah. That's interesting. But they so, some of that's contracted through the hospital, right? So that's part hmm. of the perk. Hmm. But well, I know to be part of you know at least because we've looked into um, hospital call around here. You know that just comes. You know you want to be a member of the hospital. You don't get paid more for it. You know like yep. that's at least around here. You know so that's kind of interesting. Not in the country. Yeah, that's <laughs> just, just kind of, you know if you want to be on call if you want to be on staff that's just part of it. You know yep. you need to you need to do that. So that thinking along those lines kind of is the way that we you know the theory that we use in our practice and what what we do with it. So the question was, do you take call? And really, the main underlying thing that this Facebook poster wanted to know was, are you compensated for it? Yeah. Um, so in my world, no, no. And I, I'm not going to compensate you for it if you work for me either. So, and I have reasons for that that I will share in just a moment. So what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I just get to see the people I know making a lot of money from it. So <laughs> <laughs> I would say you should. Yeah. But, um, but realistically, like I take, it's not called by any means, but I have to deal with patients after after, after hour that, call and are not calling for an exam are just calling to ask questions yeah. and I don't get compensated for that. So is that because you give them your phone number? No, or like no, it just things come up, right? You know, whether yeah. it be the email or whatever, but I don't know honestly how I feel about it. I feel like sometimes patient expectations are really high that they should get medical care for free. And then on the other hand, there are a lot of free services that you can call or get some sort of short consultation about medical services. So I'm not sure how I feel. I think no other, uh, maybe that's a big statement, but this, this really sort of, to me, separates out the employees and the owners and the people that want to be an owner or you want to be an employee. This kind of separates those two groups. Sure. Because for me, you know, my wife understands this. I understand it. I've understood it from day one in the practice that I'm in. If I am going into the office to see a patient on Sunday and I see them for an abrasion and I put a bandage lens on or whatever, give them a prescription, whatever, they're going to be so excited that I did that, so wowed, so overwhelmed that, that I went away from my family, took time to answer their phone, went to the office, took care of them, took them out of pain, took out a foreign body, whatever. And um, then I'm going to see them the next day in the office. So that's an office visit there. That's an office visit the next day. A lot of times they're patients that I've never seen before, and they got in touch with us because, you know, they know we do emergency care. And then I'm going to recommend that they come back for a regular eye exam. So that's a patient for life. You know, almost nine out of ten times when I do an emergency call, it is a patient for life, and they never, ever, ever forget it or stop mentioning it. 
And, um, you know, then they tell people, I'm just, it's, it has never failed. You know, it's just like one of the best forms of marketing that you could possibly do. And by the way, you know, it's an exam, you know, you're going to get, you're going to bill them for it. You're going to get paid for it. Do you, you know, here's a common thing that people, you cannot bill more. (laughs) You can, but you're probably not going to get paid for it. There are codes for like after hours billing, but insurances don't pay that, you know, so there's a code for it, but just because there's a code for it doesn't mean insurance is going to pay for it. So, you know, I, I thought in the beginning, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get paid more for this, right? Like insurance is going to be paying me more to come in after our, n- no, not, not the case. So you're only so going to get you think what you about normally get. You should get compensated or not. So, so my thought is that you're going to get compensated by doing the exam. And if you're an employee in my office, you are going to get compensated on the fact that you're doing the exam and that patient is going to be loyal to you and bring more patients to you. And we have a bonus structure. So for me that, you know, when I was an employee in the practice and had the same bonus structure that we give our employees, that was incentive to me to do it. You know, Um, I never ever thought I should get paid more to do it. And reading it though, to me just kind of separated those two mentalities. And then we've, we've had some discussions with our employee doctors about it and the, you know, positive or negative with it. So I think doing some, some, some payment for it is not a bad idea for, for those folks, you know, so I'm open to it, but you know, I think it's interesting to see what people come up with in response to it because to me i think it separates those two groups i feel That's you all I have to say no i anyway. guess as a practice owner versus an employee the perks are different right because if it's an employee that has no potential for practice owning maybe long term that's not as beneficial as it is to you because they'll stay with your practice and maybe not with that doctor yep, yep. anyways march one of March's themes, not made by us, but by the world, is Workplace Eye Wellness Month. Yeah. All right. Protecting those eyes from work. According save to the CDC. Exactly. Sticking with this theme of the month of saving. Save your vision. According to the CDC, every single day, about 2,000 U.S. workers sustain some sort of job-related eye injury or requiring medical treatment. That costs the... the us, I guess, whoever, $3 million per year in lost production time. And actually, 40% of on-job injuries happen in manufacturing, construction, and mining industries. These are the folks that call you as an emergency. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Perfect segue, right? Seriously. So let's talk about eye protection for a minute. What do you recommend your patients that are in welding, machinery, construction, et cetera? We all know to follow ANSI standards, but what do you recommend? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I probably don't do a good enough job actually making a really good recommendation. I just say safety glasses, you know? Right. That's, that's really what I say. Well, I'm glad you said that because there is actually a little study that went out on reasons why people don't wear safety eyewear. Okay, so Mm. let me tell you the four top reasons. Number one, it's unwearable. Okay, unwearable meaning it's cheap. It's just more of a distraction than it is protection. Whether it pinches, puts pressure, slips, it's not ergonomically designed for particular jobs. It's not protective where it's supposed to be, whatever. Okay, so Mm. unwearable for the job. So those are the patients that 
let's say maybe they're a little bit lower income or, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't prioritize it. So they ordered it on Amazon, a $10 safety frame. But Mm. is that the best option for them? I mean, it doesn't need to be a $700 purchase or whatever, even more or less. But getting something that is well-designed and having an option in your office or making sure your opticians have a good option. I'm sure our opticians have a great option and we just don't know about it. But having a good, genuinely good option that people will actually want to wear. Right? Yeah, I I think that's a big part of it because, you know, I know with a lot of protective sun or uh, protective eyewear options, they come in a little box, right? There's like five different choices. You know, they're not very appealing, uh, cosmetically speaking. So, yeah, people don't really want to wear them because of that. Yep. Another th- reason that people said they didn't wear safety eyewear is because they said it's unnecessary, okay? Mm. And this mm. is a kind of a blanket generic statement, but not necessary to protect my eyes. But we all know how easy it is to poke your eye, whether it be... I actually poke just had a good out. friend of mine. He was cleaning something underneath his van, okay? <laughs> Another van lifer, okay? But yes. uh, he, he... I forget what he was doing, but he was doing something with this like black goo, and he told me, I got a piece of rubber in my eye, but it's been hurting me ever since this weekend. Yeah. And I, was, I had him come in and I was like, there's no way you had rubber in your eye. You have rust in your eye, dude. You have uh, metal in yeah. your eye. And yeah. of course, he had a little piece of metal and rust ring. That's why it looked black for him. But right. anyways, it is necessary. So stressing that to our patients is really important. It's your job if you if they mention that they are in some sort of semi-hazardous op- uh, occupation, bring it up. Just make sure they're protecting their eyes so they avoid problem. I always say to patients, even with contact lenses and overwearing contact lenses, this is another you know good application of the statement. It's not a problem until it is, right? Exactly. It's, just, it's not necessary until it is. Yeah. You know? so. Walking a tightrope's good until you fall, right? Ooh, yeah. So third option or third reason for not wearing safety eyewear is it's fogging. Okay. A recent study with a manufacturer. Like it's fogging annoying or it's. <laughs> right. It's fogging. It's fogging up. killing me. Um, <laughs> ma- so it was a study with manufacturing, construction, service, and retail workers. And it, this study, which I, don't, I didn't read myself, said 100% of participants <laughs> reported fogging as a major factor for not wearing their protective eyewear on the job. They can't see, obviously, when it's fogged up, so naturally they take it off. Um, and the same study said that 55% said that if their safety eyewear had anti-fogging technology, they would wear it. Hmm. So I don't know about this anti-fogging technology, but... I've heard about some of that. Um, I mean, I feel like if it was a really good, you know, like a real thing, (laughs) and that's not nice maybe to say, if there's somebody out there that knows more about, you know, getting the fog out of, of lenses and it's real. But uh, I remember, you know, working in a place when I was an optician that had, uh, some fog stuff and it was just like, what, what's, what's going on there? What, how I mean, does it not I know fog? that in Seattle things, it fogs, right? Let's say it's yeah. raining outside and you're sure. outside and your face is hot. Your glasses yeah. fog. So, so what could unfog it? Well, I know, I, know. I think it's a proper ventilation. Just think about when you're oh, skiing and your goggles okay. fogging or you're diving and your goggles fogging. There are things okay. you can do to... More prop- ventilation, all yeah. right. But, oh. Anyways, number four, it's just straight up not cool. <laughs> like they said, it's not cool, so they don't want to use them. So 
better better um, design or better, um, you know, something that's not ugly and geeky, like <laughs> cool safety eyewear. What they used to call the... Um, Birth control goggles. Yes, yeah. The, just the Thank you to our veterans, of course. But, you know, your, ga- your glasses sucked, apparently. BCGs. So, <laughs> yes. So. There you go. Well, everyone, any of your clients that are in hazardous jobs, mention it. Ask if they have safety glasses. Other ways that people need eye wellness is our office workers need eye wellness, too. People on computer all, computers all day long. Um what are tips that you tell patients that are on their computers all day long to maybe optimize their workspace, optimize ergonomics? You know, the one thing that I, I probably say, I, I don't say enough <laughs> again. So, but the, the one thing I will say is uh, to have your computer screen, um, you know, at a certain distance and slightly below the line of sight so that it's not above them or to the side, you know, sort of in front of them. And, and I'm just going to pull a number out and I think you have the right amount, but I usually say, you know, three to four inches, three to six inches below your direct line of sight. I say, you know, looking down at that angle is our natural reading direction. That's how we're made to read. We're not made to read looking up. And uh, that that's a more relaxing, you know, um, posture that'll allow you to have a straight neck and back so that you're not craning your neck. Um, and I think that just kind of leads well into the progressive conversation because a lot of folks will be like, well, how am I going to look at my computer with my progressive? And they say it just like that. <laughs> and um, and I'll say, well, guess what, Phyllis or Joe? Um you know, you are supposed to be looking down a little bit when you're looking at your computer screen. It's good computer vision ergonomics. And they just are like, what is that? And I just say, oh, it's a little lower. So what what other things? Other things that often irritate people would be, um, well, I often, a huge thing that I've been recommending recently are computer progressive. So near variable focus designs, things like the Shamir Office or their newer designs, I forget the names of them, but basically they're different ranges of near with the priority of computer screen. So it's been a huge recommendation recently. Also, um, simple things like changing lighting, lowering glare, reflections. So having lighting right above computer, uh, your workstation is not ideal. Um, HVAC maintenance is helpful for your for your workers just because asthma issues and itchy eyes, dry eyes. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. HVAC is not cleaned or if it's blowing heavy, stale air, it's going to dry out people's eyes. Um, so those would be my big ones, I'd say. What about like those little desk uh, humidifiers? You ever see those? You're here. Is that something? Yes. There's actually a really cool one. I'm going to post it on the blog, but it's basically this like straw-like thing. You can put in in a cup of water and Mm. it releases air or humidity into the air. Super easy to clean. It was a really cool one I saw. So I'll post it. It's a a nice one, though, for people who do want to have it around but don't want the big clunky humidifier. Love it. Anyway, kind of a funny one, but (laughs) another way to help promote wellness in the office is – or eye wellness is to – advise people to not have foods causing acid reflux. 
<laughs> Maybe don't provide them at work party. Yeah, no cabbage. <laughs> Is that what that costs? That? I don't know. Well, maybe I'm thinking of a gas. <laughs> and no, acid reflux is like acidic foods. Okay, yeah. No, Anyways, but gas would be bad too. Right? There is an article that was just posted on a new website everyone should check out called Modern OD. The yes. bl- the the ad is not ad. The article is by Bruce Gaines and Norman Huang. And it's called Treatment of Acid-Related re- acid Gastrointestinal Disorders. May seem benign, but certain drugs given to patients with AMD could create problems. Who knew? Who knew? This is what the modern optometrist is thinking Right? About. Workplace wellness. I yes. wellness. Don't do so it. What it. Don't what give it, it to mean? your old people. <laughs> well, I'm going to link the article so everyone can read about it. But okay. essentially these uh, H2 receptor antagonists can actually be considered, um, basically they can cause a risk or a risk potential for AMD patients for some reason. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Way to leave us hanging for more. I like that. You know, I don't want to give away all the facts. Yeah, that's what it is. Actually, a really Um, (laughs) cool fact I'll pull from that, that, that article that I read that I just love. And some uh, studies have shown that some of the uh, proton pump inhibitors that are treating uh, GERD and whatnot have, in patients that have had advanced AMD, have been cause uh, been shown to cause the development of Charles Bonnet syndrome. Love Charles Bonnet syndrome. Not that it happens to people, but <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> I just love it. It's like the you best said that to me before. I've ever heard. I didn't really didn't affect me, but this time now I'm like, what? What do you mean? I love you it. Know? Charles Bonnet syndrome is when people, typically blind people who have lost vision, not people who are born blind, but they tend to experience hallucinations. Um, Most of those hallucinations are very simple, like shapes or colors or patterns. But there are some stories of people that will see um, women dressed in like, like Indian garb walking toward them in a hallway. None of them are mean, like the schizophrenic type uh, hallucinations but um but yeah it's worth bringing up to anyone who has amd so anyways. i had a, a guy who had it and um was driving his wife absolutely nuts uh about it because he kept seeing a boy like a little boy like sitting at the end of their bed and oh it just it really was very very troublesome Aww. for this couple um but i've i've heard a, i have a good friend um his name's greg caldwell shout out to greg caldwell he lectures on this every now and again and he has a patient who he does like this little he's he videotaped her and and shared what she said about it but what he said which i've never heard anybody else say about it but um i'll just share it real quick is that he says, you know, what what he's heard or understands about Charles Bonnet is that you see things that you remember that you like or that you want to remember or want to see or that you like are really stored deep in your memory. And so I guess he was on the beach with his wife and um, there was an attractive, you know, young lady <laughs> and um, uh, walking uh, uh you know, down the, uh, the beach and, um, his wife was like standing right there and, and, uh, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm right here. You know, what's, what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, I, you know, I just want to make sure I have good visions when I have Charles Bonnet. (laughs) 
that was that's what he says <laughs> you know the, that's like this is his that you know with uh charles benet that it's not only you know just things but maybe things that are you know really deeply embedded and things that you like why uh, not yeah, so I've, I've heard so many different things about Charles Bonet. Like I said, like that, I've never heard anybody else say that. And what you just said about the forms and shapes, I've never heard anybody say that either. Yeah, but. I had this uh, big, burly guy, really tough guy that I used to work with at Berkeley who saw pink swirls. <laughs> I like that. Hmm. Compa- yeah, Maybe that's something he always liked, but he didn't seem like a pink that. guy. Anyways, yeah. want to do a quick shout-out to a brand-new podcast Pretty yes. sweet. Some fellow optometrist. Totally. The title's pretty great. Bold and bright-eyed. Hmm. Some like Midwest to East Coast three gals joined to create this podcast. <laughs> I like they it. Did, they I stopped like the it. Midwest. They didn't want to go all the way west like us, but <laughs> <laughs> that, I know, I know. But you know, I maybe maybe they'll add in some West Coasters as time goes on. They have three they have three episodes out right now. Yes. Oh, uh, they have some marketing stuff. Anyway, you can get their podcast at all the places you get podcasts. It's called Bold and Bright Eyed. Shout out to two of our uh, really good close friends that are on there, Jessalyn Quint and Keely Brown. I don't know the, the other girl, but I'm sure she's great too. So, <laughs> I think so, that yeah. about does it. Before we go, of course, we like to reach out to all of our followers and ask for any feedback, questions, stories, anything you want to talk about. Uh, reach out on either our Facebook, Instagram, call or text us, 920-350-8622. And we can't depart without saying a huge thanks to Valley Contacts for their support both for their amazing lenses they make and the great people they are to work with. Be sure to tune in and listen to our next episodes. But until then, try not to blink. Blink.